Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo or personality. Eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. All right, welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another podcast for you. Got myself, Pete, here. And we have Mountain Man Stokes back with us out of retirement, as we saw in the last episode. The champ returns. Yep, and the champ brought his tag team partner with him. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so, Ch- we got Chad with us. Chad, you're one of the uh, tabletop gamers, I'd say, that leads the Asheville, North Carolina group and pretty much anything y'all play up there. You and John kind of like to beat the drum to a lot of those games that y'all play. So, y- you guys have been playing games up there for... I don't know, at least as long as we've been doing it down here in Charleston, right? Well, he's been playing a oh, long yeah. time. He's the reason I got into gaming. <laughs> he, Trendsetter. <laughs> he bought that damn Guild Ball kickoff starter set. Yep. <laughs> and it was game over from there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. All right. Well, what we're going to talk about today is a game that I've been interested in, and I know we've talked about on the show before. Uh, John's definitely a big big lord of the rings homer so this is a game that he loves but it's uh middle earth and that's what we're going to talk about today so we're just going to run through uh kind of how to how does it play how do you build kind of whatever faction because i know those are some questions i have um different scenarios tournament play because i i was surprised when you guys told me that there was a decent tournament scene and then just some different fluffy things and also some uh some things and events coming up for uh, Middle Earth. So we'll just kind of get straight into it. Chad, you want to kind of just tell us what you like about the game. So what are some of the things that you're like, yeah, this is why I love playing Middle Earth? Well, obviously is the theme. Everybody loves Lord of the Rings. So I when I first saw the game, probably I guess in 2001, 2002 when it came out, I always thought it looked great and interesting and the models are great. Uh, when they released that uh, new starter pack, the Pelennor Field starter and mm-hmm. I guess it's too late 2018. It was a great time to jump in and uh, just thought it looked fun and uh, actually enjoyed the game. We first started playing, we were a little questioning about the rules, but then the more you get into it, you see a lot of the nuances and the uh, the strategy that's really there. And then the deck, the, the list building is amazing. I mean, so many factions, I mean, probably close to 30 or 40 factions and then legendary legions on top of that. And I'm going to count the factions while, while you were talking. Yeah. Um, so that the list building, the list building is just endless and uh, it's just a fun game. And I found that the group of people that, uh, that we've connected with that play it are actually really fun to be around and are, uh, they're really enthusiastic about it. Uh, once you jump in there, you know, and you find out there's a community, you find out it's a pretty enthusiastic community. So. Yeah, when when I because John gave me a demo of the game, and of course I had to play Rohan because I, I just love Rohan. But oh, yeah, um, I think Chad and I are of, of the same mind there. But yep. uh, the models, one one the models are great, and then the thing I will say that the game has going for it is when I I talked with Craig from Third Floor Wars, we talked about all these different games, and one of the things we talked about with like 40k and some games like that is the grandeur of the game and. This game does have a very thematic feel to it. Like when you're playing it, you feel like 
you're charging with the Rohan, the Rohirrim. And if you're playing like these orcs and goblins, you feel like you have a horde of just orcs and goblins charging, you know, the, the free people. So I will say that the game has that going on for it, which for me is enough. I, I'll, I'd get into a game just for that, even if I only play it a couple times, you know, a year. Right. Yeah, it's very thematic. And the great thing is there's so many different ways to play it. You can play it competitively, but you can also, there's tons and tons of narrative scenarios from the books and from the movies that are a lot of fun to play too. Okay, so I'm going to ask you and John this, and you guys can just go back and forth with this because you, you guys know a lot more about it than I do. But So it, the game includes stuff from Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, correct? Yep. So explain to the listeners and me kind of how does list building work with this? So can you intermingle factions? Like how, how does that work when you're like, okay, I want to play Lord of the Rings. How do you put stuff together as far as a list? Well, first of all, out of the 45 factions, I counted, wow, just counted wow. 45. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. counting legendary legions? That is not counting legendary right. legions, which are kind of like a new mix of, of things like they like taking Aragorn when he comes back with the army of the dead, you know, when he comes oh, wow. back into Pelador fields and then they make a legendary legion. Cause it's not, a, it's not a normal list. It's kind of a specialized list is what they are. Right. And the way they, the way they do the uh, alliances in the game. So if you wanted to take something uh, that doesn't necessarily go together, um, there's three levels of alliances. There's historic alliances, which there's no penalty. Uh, that's like Rohan and Minas Tirith. They were together at the same time. They were they worked together. They were allies. And then there's convenient allies, which are makes sense in the scheme of the games. They're in the same time period as the game as they were in the same time period or the same age as the history of Middle Earth. And then uh, there's impossible allies, which you can do, but you get penalized pretty heavily. Uh, your two armies would be completely separate. Uh, they would break it, uh, separately, and if either one of the two armies broke then you're considered broken for the game which can be a pretty big uh penalty um oh, wow. yeah okay so looking at that i like that you can mix because i think there was a time that you and john actually went to a tournament and i mean john you were running something like the uh, uh you were running some bad faction i think i think chad you were running the the rohirrim so oh, yeah we went to I, a, we went to a doubles tournament and we we and they were kind of, it was very narrative and they were kind of pushing weird alliances kind of things. And my, my man, Chad came up with a weird story. I just got a Mumak I wanted to play. Yeah. <laughs> that was what happened. It was like, I'm playing this Mumak somehow. Yeah. And so yeah. I was going to play Rohan. So our idea was, is that uh, Rohan, was it Faramir? Yeah. With, with Faramir's Rangers. If yeah. You know. Faramir's, yeah. They, uh, yeah, he was Faramir's Rangers, but they had uh, stolen a Mumak. <laughs> and so we're, we're marching on Minas Tirith, you know, at the end of the, you know, the uh, return of the King, but uh, using a Mumak. So that was kind of how we got that theme together. And it was just a, they actually encouraged us to do some type of weird alliance like that. It was, that was a lot of fun. It was a chance okay. for Jeremir, captain of Gondor to show his quality. Yes, <laughs> we did. We won. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can kind of mix and match this. And is it, so talk to me about kind of points. Like, is there a point level for like tournaments? And just like, if I show up at a store, I say I have like 1500 points of this. I mean, how does that work when you, you meet up? There is uh, there's lots of different styles of tournaments. Um, the podcast for the games that are out now are all mostly from England. 
And the, there's one in particular that when we were having tournaments before COVID, he his podcast would he would go to a tournament and describe how it worked, how how uh, what the rules were, and then give his give you like a rundown of how it went for him. But they have all kinds of different tournaments. I mean, you can they have you have just a standard 800 point, 600 point tournament where everybody brings an army. Um, and they just fight it out, and then they, there's tournaments where it's good versus evil. So you bring two, uh, you bring two factions, a good and an evil. And then when you come to get to your game, you roll off with the person, uh, decide whether you're going to play with your good or your evil army. Um, there's narrative events where it's all good versus all evil, and either good wins or evil wins. It's more of like a team based thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, doubles tournaments, and then uh, the tournament we're going to have in October is going to be an escalation tournament. We'll start out about 450 points or somewhere around there and then build up to probably 828 for the 828 area code for our last game. Okay. So that, I mean, that's definitely very interesting. And I'm going to ask you kind of something else as far as like building lists, because I, I, when I played the game, it was the Rohirrim against, uh, I think it was just general orcs with Azog and a troll kind of in it. But I noticed Azog was definitely pretty powerful. Do you guys feel that there's any models in the game where if somebody brings it, you're just like, this is going to be a son of a bitch to be able to deal with? Oh, damn it. He's going to help me call it out on this one. Yeah, Azog. <laughs> yeah, well, to be, um, yeah. Azog, a lot of the stuff from The Hobbit, which was a later release, can be a little strong, but... Uh-huh. Most people find the game to be pretty balanced among the factions. I don't. I, and it's never like, okay, Azok's down, I'm going to lose. I mean, it's not like that. Um, and it, he's really expensive too. So, you know, you're dropping over a third of your army, well, mm-hmm. somewhere around Two, there. 240-ish points. 240 right? out of normal, like about 800 points. So about over a quarter of your army. So um, they should be doing a lot of work because there are a lot of points. And so. I have to remind myself of that when I'm playing John and he's playing Azog because I get really pissed. Um, because he just, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, just, just, he can just go through things. But, you know, John's also got fewer models. And that's the great thing about a lot of the scenarios um, is when you go to a tournament, there's a lot of variety in the scenarios that you're going to play. I think, how many is there, 18? There's 18 scenarios. 18 tournament scenarios. So you don't know what you're going to get. And if you get a lot of, if you take Azog and you've got, you know, 20 models in your army, you're going to have a hard time with some of those objective-based scenarios that have five yeah. objectives. So it, it hopefully it balances out in a tournament set, setting. Yeah, that's what I noticed because when I played against Azog, I basically charged all the Rohirrim into all the other models. And just like, like John was telling me, he's like, are you just, just like throw up random, you know, Rohirrim in front of them to slow them down. And I was like, that's pretty much my goal. It's like, I'm going to kill everything else except for Azog and the troll. Right. Definitely. Definite strategy. I mean, we did that the other day. I would just feed, who was I playing? I don't know. uh, Shagrat. I was just feeding, you know, big time orc Shagrat. Like here's a cheap ass ranger. Kill him. I can do, do other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, you can play everything. You can play the horde, the normal horde armies. Like I love Goblin Town, where I play. You know, I take a hundred models or so. Um, you can play the Dark Lord Sauron himself, which four hundred points. You know, that's most of your army. You know, you can take trolls. You can take siege weapons. You have, yeah. you have cavalry. You have monsters. Yeah, you have all sorts of monsters. You have flyers. You have slow ass hobbits that throw stones. I mean, if, if if you watched it, if it's named and it's in the movies, it's it's in the game. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at oh my god. I just I'm looking at like smog and I'm like, oh that's you know a cool five hundred and sixty bucks if you want to pick up smog. <laughs> yeah, you can find it for four ninety. <laughs> uh, most people I say use some type of uh 
proxy for that model. It's just too expensive. Well, it's kind of one of those things where, and this is why I like games like Middle Earth. And it's the same reason why I like playing God Tier, because I tell people, I'm like, even if you don't play this game forever, it's like, if you like playing some kind of RPG game, these models are perfect for role-playing games. Sure. Yeah. I mean, because you got dragons, you got monsters, you got, you know, soldiers. So it, it's one of those things where you can get dual use out of the stuff that you get for this game, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the one thing I really liked about it when we first started going to tournaments is nobody's really picky about proxies either. I mean, of course, there's like five different types of orcs in the game. But to everybody at a tournament, an orc is an orc. If an orc yeah. has a bow, they really, they really like to see a, a bow on the orc, or if an orc has a shield, but you, they'd like to see a shield, but they don't care what kind of orcs they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've played a lot of Nolzers and like Reaper minis and stuff just to proxy things. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah, there's actually some of the things that are not available anymore, or they've never even made models. There's a few things they've never even made models for, so mm-hmm. people, you have to proxy. And then, the, you know, oh. the difference between a Moran and orc and a regular orc, if you go to a tournament, just say, hey, these are all Moran and orcs, or, you know, they're... they're people we played with so far have been fine. So Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I just, you can go on to games workshop page and I'm just kind of browsing the line for this. And I mean, the models are just all really, really kind of cool models. And some of them are dated because you can tell they oh, were yeah. probably sculpted from like 2001. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, I'm looking at like the, you know, Lake town, you know, uh, militia war band and i'm like oh that's man that's what i'm talking about right there oh yeah, yeah. those guys are those are newer models and they're really nice and but the newest newest stuff that they've been putting out over in the last year and a half two years since the game uh, got kind of rebooted with a new edition but the plastic stuff is beautiful like the new sarah uh saramon yeah. and all the Ga- the gandalfs and the new aragorns they are amazing that plastic was, minis that was the theoden and the Durnhill models that you played with rohan that are really nice yeah yeah, yeah, they're great. Then, yeah, but then I look at some of these models that I bought because I, I actually started playing uh, when this game was called War of the Rings. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. that was probably in 2005. I think they converted it to War of the Rings, and it was okay, but uh, it wasn't nearly as played as Middle Earth is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same models. It just, uh, yeah, I mean, you had the, the orcs. I've got some of those orcs from 2001 and stuff, and you look at some of them, you're like, oh, what is that supposed to be on the back? On his back? <laughs> yeah. but, that was movement trays and stuff, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this, because as I'm kind of browsing around, I'm seeing a lot of books with this. So do am I, if I get into this, do I want to pick up the Battle Companies book or do you want to pick up, you know, the the Rivendell book or whatever else? I'm, what am I going to need to play the game like once I get the models? Um, it's kind of, I mean, the, the general rules manual is, is good because that has most of the scenarios and stuff you want. And then uh, there's an army, the, the army of the Lord of the Rings has every army you'd want from Lord of the Rings. And then there's an armies of the Hobbit they put out when they expanded. So it just depends on how deep you want to get into it. If you're just going to play Hobbit armies like you're like me and I love the Hobbit, it's kind of the only two books you need. And then they just yeah. keep putting out supplements and, and little things. You know, It's Games Workshop. They're going to try and fucking make your money. Um, yeah. But no, you need a rules book and an army's book. That's all you'd need. Right. Now, is it something where I have to buy it or is it somewhere where I can get it kind of online, you know? Depends on how you feel about that. Okay. <laughs> you can you can buy Games Workshop PDFs. And you can, yeah, I see I see that on the on the page. They definitely have it available too. And on, and on. and Battle Scribe has yep. all has listings for all yeah. this stuff. And I mean the battle companies you're talking about, that's the actually like a small skirmish version of the game. Oh, okay. Like an RPG where your heroes are advancing and getting better, and uh, it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun, but you don't need that to play this game. Yeah, and looking at it, so if I got like the War in Rohan, does that include any like 
uh, fluff or written stories in that as well, or is that all just rules? A lot of fluff in every all the books. Um, the War in the uh, War in Rohan has uh, some of the legendary legions. They're more surrounded around. They're more uh, centered around Rohan and uh, Isengard, and there you've got. Le- you, they think it comes with maybe six, eight legendary legions. And that's the thing we were talking about earlier, where they combine a couple factions or make things that are normally not legal legal, and they're usually mm-hmm. really good. Um, okay. Uh, those those come in those supplement books: War and Rohan, War and uh, what's the other one? War and Gondor, Gondor. and then the Scour- Scouring of the Shire. I think I think the coolest thing about those books is they really add a bunch of narrative scenarios, kind of from the from the historical yeah. scenarios you can play. Like, I mean, we we like playing those every once in a while where we play like, you know, I, I ran the game at a, a gaming convention up here and we did Battle of Pelennor Field, so it was big open fields and Mumax coming in and the Witch King flying in to fight Theoden. Um, there's big battles like that, everything down to like smaller battles where it's. You know the ambush at Amon Hin, where the Urukai are coming at the Fellowship, and Frodo's got to run and get in the boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's actually where I first got introduced to this game. Uh, it was the Mines of Moria. You bought the box, oh, yeah, and you had, yeah, and you had the, uh, you know, you had the Fellowship versus all the goblins and and the troll. And the goal was you basically had to. There's one where you had to like escape, and there's one where you had to kill them all. Right. Uh, so that that was a really fun box to play, and I know they brought out a box for Goblin Town too. Right, yeah, that came out with the that was the last the end of the last edition before this one, and uh, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's it's that's how the Pelennor Fields box is. It brought out the new edition. Um, if you and uh, it had uh, several scenarios that you could play just with the models that came in the box, which was a really good deal too. If you can find that, if you're wanting to get into the game. That box, that Battle of Pelennor Fields is a great way to do it. You get the rule book, a hardback, full-on version of the rule book. Uh, you get uh, 12 warriors of, riders of Rohan with their dismounts. You get 20 of the Army of the Dead. You get King Theoden. You get 20, 30, 36 orcs, a Mordor troll, and you get the Witch King on a Fell Beast. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, it's a really good box. You can find it for around like one thirty. Well, not only that, but you could. This is easily something you could be like, "Hey, I'll take the Rohan half if you want to take the, you know, the evil half." Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people split it. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good box. There's, I mean, there, this the Facebook buy and sell groups for this game are the most active uh, buy and sell Facebook groups I'm in. Yeah, I get a notification like at least five times a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it. Yeah, when we first started playing, it was you could find a lot of really good cheap deals, and I think the game has grown since they brought out this new edition. And it's harder to find really good deals now. And a lot of the stuff you can find good deals if you live in England. But, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's not as not as much movement over here. I, I'm telling you, those English nerds they get all the good gaming groups because you know they're all st- they're all stuck on an island together. Yeah. Oh, their tournament, <laughs> yeah, their tournament scene is insane. I mean, they have Articon once a year, which is the biggest Middle Earth event. They usually have, I think, they have about 200, 200 I think they had two hundred forty seven this year. Yeah, they had two hundred forty seven in two thousand nineteen for that tournament. Yeah, see, and this sounds a lot like when I used to go to a Warhammer Fantasy tournament because. It, it's competitive, but it's also kind of like almost like a gentleman's league, right? Where it's like everybody's there to compete, but they just want to see cool stuff happen. You know, they want to see some yeah. cool battles, some cool moments that you might see from the movies. And I think, John, you referenced something really cool that if you have, you know, the White King and you have Theoden, 
you got to attack the Odin, right? Right. Right. Got to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a bad decision, but it's it's thematic. Yeah, and that's that's one of the great best things about this game is that the is you don't you're not just buying it to get into the competitive scene. You're getting it to there's so many narrative aspects of it, and you know I'm it's probably my favorite movie franchise. So I just love everything about it. Okay, so let's kind of flip the script a little bit here. Let's talk about some of the mechanics in the game because I learned a little bit about it, but I'm curious to hear more from you guys. So looking at it, just give us some of the basics of once you get in and you're playing it, how does it work when you're interacting with other models? Um, And then also, I know that some of the points that the heroes have are really important. So can you guys just talk about that a little bit? Uh, Sure. Um, One thing about the game is it's very hero centered. Um, You know, a lot of your strategy, a lot of your ways you're going to, you know, beat your enemy is with the heroes that there's all the, you know, there's the foot soldiers, there's the orcs, there's the riders of Rohan, there's the, you know, the foot soldiers of Minas Tirith, but the heroes are where the games won that. And one of the uh, um, aspects of the game, that's probably the biggest and most strategic is the heroic actions that heroes have. And there's Mm -hmm. a set of, I think, Oh, I think maybe eight or ten of those, and every hero's got their own set. Some of them have more than others. Like Aragorn's got, every, I think, every one of them, and then some heroes might just have one or two. Um, and they allow you to make multiple attacks in a fight phase where nobody else can do that. They allow you to improve your statistic, your stat, your fight stat, which is kind of the tiebreaker when you get into a, a fight. Um, they allow you to move farther. They let you, t- and they also allow you to take people with you. So if you call that heroic action, you can take a group, anybody that's within six inches of you and do move farther or, uh, um, yeah, shoot before out of phase or move out of phase, which is really important in the game. Yeah. That's kind of where the strategy comes in is the, the finite resource of what they call might points and knowing when to spend them and getting something out of spending them. You know, you can use, you can use them as simple as things as to adjust die rolls, but usually it's about winning ties and dice and move and movement. Yeah. I noticed that there was a lot of like, you, you warned us about this because you're like, you could do that, but then you don't have any of those points left to spend for future things. So it's not good to blow them in like the first turn or two. Right. Uh, yeah. You don't want to spend a my point to, to, if you have a bad die roll to kill your Aragorn to kill an orc, you just don't want to spend that might point for that. You want to save it for something important, like uh, you know when you're going up against the enemy hero or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The, but the yeah the the heroes are what makes the game. They're they're the engine kind of that makes it strategic and makes it interesting. Okay, but, so you have those points that you can spend and it's kind of cool because you have like almost heroic things that you do throughout the game, maybe similar to like a legendary for guild ball or something. Yeah. So they're more more like heroic actions because you kind of spend them. And then once you run out of points, you know, you, you you don't get refund. Like your points don't come back like they do in guild ball, but you're going to do more than one. Yeah. Yeah. My average, average hero has three. Uh, There's, there's three things that he, there's three stats that heroes have that, uh, regular characters don't, which is uh, might, will, and fate. And might just allows you to do those heroic things. Will will let you be more courageous if you you know and uh, resist magic and cast magic and cast magic when you're using someone like Gandalf or Saruman. And then fate is just like 
the hero takes a hit, but somehow he miraculously jumps out of the way at the last minute or slides off of his armor. And uh, that just gives him like a, if he's got three wounds and three fate, well, that means he's going to, he's got extra chances to save himself from dying when he gets those hits. Okay. All right. So what about, like, what do you guys like about the mechanics besides the heroes? So like your everyday, like I'm attacking, like, do you guys like the dice system? Is there something that, you know, you guys kind of wish they'd change a little bit? Because I know you're rolling and, and you're kind of comparing who gets the higher roll, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, that was the first thing that turned me off of the game when I first played it was there was so much dice rolling and it was kind of like, I wasn't, I didn't understand the, you know, how much the odds are balanced and why they're balanced and what way with the dice. Um, it's a lot of dice rolling, but it's very strategic in your dice rolling and odds and numbers. It's a big numbers well, game. You wanna... From what from what I gathered, it was almost like you're trying to put the numbers in your favor, so you're yep. rolling more dice than your opponent, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, there's a podcast out of Australia, and their 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 catchphrase is "traps win games," and that's what you do. You get people trapped where they. So when you when you have a fight. Uh, whoever loses the kind of the, the, the initial roll off has to back off well an inch if they can't back off an inch they're trapped and so when the whoever won the fight gets to try to wound them then they get to roll double dice and so that's called a trap and that's that's their point you got traps win games so you it's it's very strategic in the way you're moving um, and one of the things I like about another thing I like about the way combat is that you get a lot of that just two lines hitting each other at the same time and it's just a slugfest right in the middle it's you know, it reminds you of Viking movies and things like that. Where just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely love the kind of, you know, medieval kind of warfare, just slamming shields. Uh, the, the one thing I'm curious about, because I love the idea of this, I just don't, maybe you guys can share how it actually plays out mechanic-wise and how it plays out when you're playing the game. But how do some of these sieges and like this fighting on like walls and terrain work in this game? Because that's one thing that's really cool that you can actually buy the siege weapons in this game. So so how does that actually work? Oh gosh, I've done I've done siege of a castle one time, and the siege ladders, and uh, they did the battering rams and all that, and it was kind of like it was kind of just attacking doors and climbing ladders and stuff like that. And then there were special rules about fighting at the top of the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gosh, I don't. It's been it's been over a year since I've played it, but there's rules for it. Yeah, and the siege yeah. engines are really cool. It, there's the, you know they break it up into two different types of target. There's battlefield targets. So if you shoot shoot a siege engine at like a cavalryman, you can have a different result as if you shoot it at a at a building. You can have an easier time hitting the building, but harder time destroying it. Where if you shoot a a soldier, you're gonna have a harder time hitting him, but you're, if you hit him, he's dead meat. So yeah, uh, there's right. two different types of targets with the game, so that makes it interesting with that. We we haven't did any of the siege battles yet. I haven't done any, um, but that's definitely something I want to do eventually, like a Helm's Deep scenario. Um, and there's there's jump tests, and uh, you know if you get knocked off your horse, you know you've got to make a thrown rider test. And there's uh, if you're jumping over. Uh, holes in the walls you got to take tests for that which is just a die roll but it's thematic and interesting so yeah so that that sounds like it's just more uh like just more thematic and more just like something you would do for a campaign or something you would do for like hey let's meet up you know this saturday and replay you know helms deep or something yeah it's not a tournament thing it's right. a, it's a narrative scenario kind of thing yeah a lot of the tournaments that they, you they hear about over in england and stuff they'll 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 come in on friday night and do a big narrative game 
and then have the tournament on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. All right. So we kind of got the mechanics down. We kind of got what other things are. Uh, I mean, how, how big is kind of the scene? And obviously we're kind of in the Southeast, but I mean, how many different gaming groups are there? Like if I wanted to get a game in the Southeast, where would be some areas that I could go and be like, yeah, I want to, you know, get a game. Okay. Well, before COVID, <laughs> there was quite a few options and they they'll still be there when it comes, comes back. We got in with a group down in Charlotte and they're pretty active. We, we do a thing called the champion of the Carolinas, which if I'm not mistaken. John is currently the champion of the Carolinas from our last tournament. Defending there. champion. I yes. Have, I've got the little pin that go, I get to wear on my shirt next. next yeah. He's uh, got a pin there. he wears on his shirt and there's a trophy that's got <laughs> his name on it down there. Nice. Um, but we do, I think he tries to do those, I think maybe four times a year. Yeah, I think they're quarterly. That's, that's what he wants to do. And they're more small, like local uh, events. He's not really bringing in people from, you know, out of state. It's more just for the Carolinas because it's the Carolina Championship. Um, but uh, we got in with those guys, and they're a great group to play with. Um, he actually holds the events at his house, um, does, a good, does a great job with it. Uh, and then uh, we've been to Atlanta to a tournament. They have a big scene there. Uh, I think that tournament there was probably 20, 25 players. Probably, yeah, because there was doubles, four, eight, 16, eight. Somewhere between 16 and 20. 20. 16 or 20. Huh? Yeah, there were, uh, you know, uh, and that was the doubles tournament. Um, there is a group in Nashville that's really uh, active, Nashville, Tennessee. We're, we're been hoping to go to a tournament there, October, uh, excuse me, at the end of August, but that's not looking great right now. Yeah. Um, there is a huge scene in the D.C. area. I went to Historicon last year, which I usually go every year. It's a big historical gaming group, uh, gaming convention. And they had a tournament there last year, uh, probably around 30 players. Um, there is a group in Richmond, Virginia, that seems to be pretty active. Um, and then over in, Northe- over in Northeast Tennessee around Johnson City and Kingsport, we've went over there a couple times and there's a guy over there that does some really fun, narr- more narrative tournament kind of games it's he always yeah. sets up a he always sets up top some type of story and then you play you the game the tournament games are set within the story and you move through this like story as you play and it's really good um so yeah there's and we we've we've got five to six people we kind of were getting a little momentum and then COVID hit so we've got five or six people that i think will play it up here right now um and trying to grow that here but it's just been right after i wrote my escalation campaign rules yeah we were getting ready to start an escalation league um and we did do a battle companies uh we've done two two battle companies campaigns. yeah two battle companies campaigns which is the smaller where your guys get better and improve and you yeah, can do if, a, yeah if you want to grow the game i, I definitely suggest battle companies as a starting point because it's really you can buy 10 models and get into battle companies and and learn the mechanics of the game on a real small scale before you put 40 to 50 100. models on the board and play um, yeah, it's uh, that's kind of where we started, um, and then once you play battle companies, though, it's not long for you like you want to you want to throw more <laughs> sh- you want to throw more shit out there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so, um, but the the RPG kind of elements of battle companies is a ton of fun, and you know, you usually start with like five models, most of the factions in that game, and you get more as you go along. Okay, so I mean, is this you guys said this was big in 
England, probably where they have a tournament, maybe they have like 50 people come to a tournament. But when you guys have gone to tournaments before the whole COVID thing, I mean, how many people would you see, say, show up to those just kind of regionally? Uh, we haven't been to any of the big region ones yet because we kind of were just getting into it. But yeah, I yeah. mean, the local tournaments were 10, 10, 10, people. 10 to 15 people. That's that just is a small a, local tournament. That's just the Carolina, mostly Charlotte area. Um, and then the Historicon tournament, I think there was probably 25 to 30 people at that. Um, I know Nashville and Atlanta have events every year, that which are prob- probably not going to happen this year. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely people playing. And um, it, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of excitement around the game when you, when you get in those groups. Okay. So, and I know that – you guys have a lot of the stuff, but just kind of looking at the Games Workshop web store, I did notice that there's a lot of stuff that they aren't they they have temporarily out of stock. So, I mean, how how much does Games Workshop really support this game? That's kind of what I'm wondering next. Uh, it's definitely low on their priority list. I'll tell you that. It's better than Steam Forge supports Guild Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but they do put out that whenever they put out a book, and they they were on a roll. They were putting out a book about every three four months. Warren Rohan, Warren Gondor, and then the Scouring of the Shire. Um, they the next one coming. Quest for the Red oh, yeah, Bears coming soon too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, they and they always put out models, new models that have never come out, and then they. Uh, ever so often, which was happening about every two months before COVID, they were re-releasing a lot of the stuff and things that people wanted that weren't able to get anymore. Like some yeah. of the stuff was going for ridiculous amounts of money. Like there's, there's, you know, there's probably four Amir models, but three of those four you can't find. And if you do find them, you're going to pay fifty, seventy-five dollars for them because oh, they're wow. just so rare. But every once in a while, they'll release that model. Um, and it's made to order from Games Workshop, so you you order it, and then they uh, they just make what they what they sell. Uh, and they are releasing a lot of uh, support as far as like cards, which is something the games never had before. They did put out a um, a group of cards for all the factions and for all the models, so that you can actually have a card, put it in a sleeve, which they made sleeves for as well. Uh, so you can actually use a dry erase and mark off your heroic actions and your wounds and all that. And those are pretty nice, but they got they went fast. I think they just are getting ready to re, re, reprint those. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm seeing I'm seeing a couple of models that are definitely interesting. Like this this barrels out of bound. Like how does that work with all these barrel riders? Like when you actually put them on the board. I think there's an actual scenario for it in the Hobbit book, but I think <laughs> I don't ever want to play them. Yeah, I don't think anybody <laughs> plays those in a tournament. I think they get the uh, you know that if you know anything about England and their miniature games, they love to model. And so they they don't they they'll buy stuff like that and just paint it and make it look nice and put it in a shell. Um, well, see, I would buy this and then I would put them on the table as those models. So I would play them like the regular models, but just have them barrels. Nobody would say anything. You did it. <laughs> no, people people would laugh and really appreciate that you did that. Actually, I yeah. Mean, I think see, I because it, something but. cool you could do with this is you could make a scenic like base or tray. Oh yeah, and have it look like a river and just have them kind yeah. of in different spots in the river. That would be kind of cool too. That does sound like fun. yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> and they have they, they do a, people do a lot of that. John made a great 
uh, diorama for his Goblin Town army when he took it to the last event and one nice. Like, yeah, and people yeah. do they're big into that kind of thing. Like you know, people were with Guild Ball making trays and um, you know yeah. making specific pieces of uh, terrain and things like that. I'll send you a picture to post with the episode whenever it comes out. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so we got a lot of different things that we talked about, but I mean, is there anything else you guys want to share with just some of the things that? you can say for the game or you want to say about it? Uh, I just, the game is very diverse. There's so much, there's so much available, so many factions. And it's amazing to me that they can have 45 factions. Is that what you said, John? Yeah, that's a ton. And nobody was, nobody, you won't find anybody on a, on a page saying this guy's OP. You can't play it. You're not going to be allowed to play it at this tournament. The only people that they don't allow you to play at tournaments is Tom Bombadil and go and his wife Goldberry. Yeah. Goldberry. Oh, whoa! Why no Tom Bombadil? They are insane. <laughs> There's the one OP model where because he, he just walks up to anybody and says, "Well, you're not going to do anything this turn." Yeah, he's. They most tournaments do ban them. <laughs> the Dark Lord Sauron is just shut down by Tom. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So. <laughs> I need to find this Tom Bombadil model. Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can find him. I mean, it's, it's an older model metal, and it's usually easy to find. And he's dumb looking with his little feather falling out of his cap. Yeah. And he's like hand, his hand on his lip like he's pondering something. And Yep. <laughs> yeah. But that's what that's one of the things that impresses me about the game is just how balanced it is. For that many factions, that many models, it's, it's insane. That they've, so, they've done a really great job with that. What would you guys say is – like if I go to a tournament, what is probably the top two factions that you'll probably see in a tournament? Ooh, it's tough. Um, Riv- Rivendell's really good. I think, yeah. I think Rivendell elves are really good. Rohan um, can be really good. The, the new legendary legion that came out with one of the books is is really strong because it has a it has an ability a a way to uh, replenish might, which is always a yeah. Uh, real it's advantage. Strong, yeah. yeah. So that's a really strong army. I mean, Goblin. I think. I think the last big tournament in the U.S. I think a Goblin Town player. It, it, you know, it's just a horde. It's a hundred models, and it's just yeah, they're easy to kill, but you just you know you can't plow through them fast enough. So that's an option too. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Everybody just moans when people walk in with that army. Um, yeah, some, uh, the dwarves gotta watch you move all those around. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's kind of an agreement before the game. Like, hey, I'm going to move one, and then I'm just going to slide them all up. So let me ask you guys: If I sit down for a tournament game, how long is like a round in a tournament? Generally speaking, if it's a one of the bigger size battles, most things we've been to have been around 700 to 800 points, and it's two two hours. Yeah, about two hours. About around. two hours a game, and most of the uh, time, that's about, that's about par. Yeah, yeah, most of the time you finish. Um, you don't always finish, but most of the time you finish. Yeah, I think there's only one one game I've been in where I didn't finish, and that was because I had to. It was recon. You had to run across the board. The whole scenario was running across the board, and I had slow ass goblins. I don't oh. go very far. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you said you were playing dwarves or something. I'm like, oh, it's the, same th- same movement speed. I mean, yeah. the, the hobbits are the slowest, and then the dwarves and the goblins are the next lowest. Yeah. Oh man, you can play Bjorn in this. That's sweet. Oh my god, I've got that model. It's amazing. Yeah, he's good. Really good. <laughs> He should be. I mean, he just got dropped in the middle of the Battle of Five. I was going to say, can you get like an eagle and drop him off in the middle? <laughs> yeah, that is, I've been wanting to play that list, but that list is usually about five models. You put Radagast on an eagle, you play Gwaihir and another eagle, and then Bjorn, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's a lot yeah, of points. That sounds like a winning combination. There's Tom Bombadil. Found him. <laughs> oh, Tom Bomb. Yeah, you have to sing the whole time. That's not, a, that's not a stupid ass model. That's a, look at he's he's a he's a deep thinker. That's what he is. I'm thinking about what song he's going to sing and how he's going to sing his name into another song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I mean, all in all, though, it looks like a really. I mean, I shouldn't say it looks like a real fun game. It was a fun game when we played it. Uh, so the one thing I will say that it, to me, uh, getting into games, that's always concerning is it does look like your regular kind of like games workshop game where sometimes you're going to be digging in those rule books, trying to figure out how the interactions work. I mean, do you guys find yourself having to stop and, and look in the rule books often or no? Sometimes, but I will give the, the rule book has a very, very good index. I'll give it that. Yeah. And usually that happens when you pull out something new, like you pull out a siege engine for the first time. You're like, okay, we got to see how this thing works. But just the straight up fighting and battles and stuff, it's, we don't, we go through games pretty quick. I mean, we played, we played 1200 points on Sunday and I think it took us what, three hours maybe? Yeah. 1200 on 12. Something like that. So that's a, that's a huge game. Um, so once you get, you know, it, it moves fast and you do have to look occasionally. There is a wound chart, you know, that you have to reference, but you go to tournaments and most people have got it memorized. Yeah, normal, <laughs> and, normal games with workshop chart. Yeah, you, you got it kind of memorized. It's pretty easy to figure out how it works, but um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember playing Warhammer Fantasy because the charts go a certain way and then you're like, okay, I know once it gets to this difference, I'm going to need sixes. And, right. So, I mean, charts like that, I know some people kind of like, oh my God, there's a chart, but yeah. they're not that hard to get get a hold of and, and figure out once you've played enough games. Yeah, it's not like, I've got a buddy, Chris, uh, he used to play Guild Ball with us some, and he's got two little girls that are like five and six, and uh, him and another friend, they play fantasy, Warhammer Fantasy, like some old edition, I don't remember what it yeah, is. probably and, like eighth or Yeah, something. and she's like, she asked him one night, Dad, when are you and uh, your friend going to come over and play that game where you guys sit and read the books all night? <laughs> 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 she's five, and she figured it out. <laughs> so... All right. Well, anything else you guys want to want to plug or anything you want to say yeah. about the game before we uh, hop off here? Yeah, my TO over here. Yeah, we definitely want to plug our event. We're calling it. We're having it in Hendersonville, October third. Hopefully, the things continue, things get better. Don't continue to get better. Things improve. Um, October third, we're having it at Dry Falls Brewing in Hendersonville. It's going to be an Escalation Middle Earth tournament. Um, we're calling it the uh, ambush at the Dry Falls of Roros. Um, and, uh, I've got commitments from people from Atlanta, uh, Nashville. They're say they're coming. I think we've already got maybe nine or 10 that have already or say they're coming. So, um, hoping that's going to come work out and it's going to be a one day escalation tournament starting at probably about 450 points. Um, it's going to be a good time. We'll have a food truck there. We got a room with our own window for beer and there's uh, beer. I'll yeah. be there. You know it. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I mean, I, I don't know how to play the game that well, but I, I mean, I could just show up and help set up and drink. Oh yeah. You could, you could get in and play it. Just play a couple more games and you'd be fine. I'll just borrow, uh, borrow John's row here again and I'll just charge people. Yeah, it works. It's what they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yell death as they do it. Yeah. You know, just yell death. That's, that's all it is. Yep. I need to I need I need to plug Gandalf in that list though, just to make it you know, just give it that chef's kiss, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gandalf is really good. Uh, yeah, and there's two versions of Gandalf. You know, there's Gandalf the Gray, White and Gandalf and the Gray. Yeah. 
Yeah. So oh, Gandalf, that's what they used to call me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Betty White, she used to be Betty the Gray. <laughs> good. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. So we're going to have Chad share a fun little uh, story here about John being an asshole. So, yeah, Chad, go ahead. Well, this happened just this Sunday. So it's really fresh. <laughs> but, yeah. So we're playing this big 1200 point game of Lord of the Rings. We're and it's two on one. Two on one. Yeah. Of course, they're always gang up on me for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> it's only because you always want to play evil. And Steve, the new guy, always wants to play good. So I just play with the new guy. So, anyway, the game it starts out bad for me with die rolling. They, he'll deny that, but it did. And um, it got, you know, it started to turn around a little bit to my to my, to my my side. And we get to this area, there's a battle. And one of the things in the game is you have you have banners. And when you, uh, when you, when you have a fight and it's within three inches of a banner, you get to re-roll one of the dice in the fight. Well, we nice. had this big scrum in the middle of the battle. And we're, we're, yeah. It was my banner. Yeah, I charged your banner with my banner. Yeah, he charged his but he charged my banner with his banner. No, no, I don't. Yeah, okay. Because I, I wanted the banner banner fight. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so we got this big scrum, and whoever has priority, who who basically has initiative for the round, gets to pick the order of the fights. So we're fighting through a few of them, and we get kind of close to that area, and John's like, I'm a little frustrated because of the way things are going. And John's like, uh, hey, let's let's do this banner fight. I'm well, much more fun about it. Like, oh, okay. So we roll the banner. And as soon as I roll, I realize that I've got lots more guys around there that would benefit from that banner if it doesn't die. But John kills my banner. And then so I've got all these fights that are not going to get the that, that don't get the banner. And he tricked my tricked me into doing that one before the rest <laughs> of them. I was really pissed. It was a low down shitty thing to do. He knows better. That was yeah, yeah. <laughs> He knows how I am when so I play he, he tricked you with his excitement into the banner banner fight when it would have benefited you to not do that. But that's yeah. what Chad gets for being grumpy for losing two out of three <laughs> rolls and then going on to win six out of seven rolls. Well, just so you know, the game ended in a tie and I didn't win, so don't even try to give me that shit. That is a good <laughs> you should take that and be happy. No, no. coming back out. <laughs> anyway that was the shitty i mean that was it was really shitty it was like yeah let's do this one now and i'm like okay you had priority it was your choice i could have made it yes it was my choice but i was just like taking it he just like put that idea in my head okay let's do this one and then i'm like fuck i have oh and it, the other thing it was like the biggest fight it was like uh gore uh, gothmog versus dane you know you remember dane from the Hobbit. Oh, oh yeah so we we're oh, having yeah. this epic clash and so we do the banner fight he gets the benefit in the banner and his our fight with dane and and, uh, <laughs> so he got, and so I he don't get it roll. anymore. Yeah. And it was like oh, a very God. crucial fight. It was really shitty. Well, you know, Chad, you always got to watch John because he'll cheat you. He wasn't. He wasn't cheating me. He was, he manipulated me, which is fire. It's fair, but That's still different. pisses me That's off. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure that those of you that are listening, hopefully you've gotten a lot out of this podcast uh, as far as Middle Earth goes. I know it's a definitely, as somebody who's played a ton of different games on the tabletop, I will say that it definitely has that. If you're looking for a game that feels like the the movies and like the books, this is one of those games that does. And I, I'd say that has a lot going for it. And to me, that's going to show probably the most positive interactions in gameplay because 
the people that play this game are going to love the stories and they're going to love kind of how it plays. They're not necessarily concerned about power gaming it and just beating the bricks off somebody. So, um, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, with that being said, make sure that you guys check out our YouTube channel, the Facebook page. Uh, we're also on Twitter, putting out a lot of stuff. John's going to send me some pictures to throw up uh, so we can get some more, some more pictures and uh, hopefully some more information about this Middle Earth stuff. So thanks for coming on, guys. It was a lot of fun uh, talking about the game. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Well, with that being said, make sure that you guys roll dice, throw salt, and we'll see you all next time.